Welcome to the Echo and Encourage podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Garrido, and I'm here to talk about all things that echo eternity and encourage everyone. From how to embrace entrepreneurship to the best tips to flourish in your life. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brian S. Chan. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I would love to introduce you to our audience. Dr. Brian S. Chan is a speaker and teacher of biblical beauty. He is also a fine artist of four art associations. He is a producer of benevolent art events where he produces art experiences for benevolent events. He is a senior pastor and has started and led churches to grow a body of believers. He is a consultant for film script, church ministry, and on subjects of beauty. He has been featured in interview articles for Voyage LA Magazine and Ubiquitous Magazine. He is an author of The Purple Curtain, Living Out Beauty in Faith and Culture from a Biblical Perspective, and the author of Not Easily Broken. He has been a contributing writer in the EFCA Today Journal and a contributing author in the book, It Was Good, Performing Arts to the Glory of God, and in the book, Ordinary Saints. Dr. Brian is in episode one of the Beautiful Heart Summit, the Beautiful Mind Academy, and a guest on many podcasts, such as the EFCA West podcast, TBN Salsa, and the Ken Fong podcast. He was interviewed on True Beauty and the Purple Curtain on TBN's JCTV. His artwork has been featured in art shows in Burbank, Los Angeles, Dallas, Chicago, and New York, such as the Illumination Show. Dr. Brian is an entrepreneur and primarily a creative visionary leader. He captures, creates, and casts vision, assesses needs and cultural dynamics, secures resources, networks with others, mobilizes teams, and innovates strategies that produce the vision. Thank you so much for coming today, Dr. Brian. This is incredible. You have so many talents, gifts, and have pursued all your dreams. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you very much for that intro. Dr. Brian, what has encouraged you to start so many different entrepreneurial journeys? Um, Well, you know, the overarching answer, I think, um, to that great and and big question is um, a matter of faithfulness to a calling that I believe God has had for me. And on on top of that, it's um, really guided by the Matthew 25 parable of being faithful to utilizing whatever God has poured into me. So I'm the type of person who kind of drops into an area and oftentimes I'll naturally assess and see what the needs may be. And and if there's conviction from the Holy Spirit to meet that need, um, I pray for a vision uh, for that and then apply the vision to meet that need. So that's kind of the, I think, the general answer uh, to that for the last 18 years of ministry. That is so beautiful. What inspired you to write the book, The Purple Curtain? Thanks for asking that. Um, well, one, the short answer is the, the practical one, which was I needed a textbook on a biblical view of beauty for the class I taught at Biola University. And the class was entitled Beauty and Spirituality. So um, again, there was a need uh, for it, and uh, and I needed something that was a concise uh, piece of work that could uh, present a biblical view of beauty to my students. Um, Originally, and this is kind of the the fascinating part for me, is originally the 
project and all the contents of that book began with my work in Dallas Seminary. So Dallas Theological Seminary, where I did my thesis on the beauty of God and the art of worship. So I explored this um, personally as an artist. Uh, that was an area of great interest for me, but also because during my time in seminary, I discovered there was a very rich heritage of art, aesthetics, and theology in our Christian faith. And I also discovered from exegeting the scriptures that this language of aesthetics, the view of aesthetics and beauty was in the Bible. So it just made me want to discover this more deeply. So these finding out these two things, I just want to dig a lot more deeper into it. And I happen to have a mentor in seminary who was also very um, astute in, in the arts and, and the creativity and theology. So I did my thesis on it. And that whole notion of the beauty of God just fascinated me. And it was something I was so passionate about. And the more I dove into it, the more passionate I became. And one of the interesting things with this idea of the beauty of God, and that's a largely what the Purple Curtain centers around, is when I mention the beauty of God, people oftentimes will talk to me about um, creation. So they'll talk about what God creates that's beautiful. But what I mean is, how is God beautiful? God himself as a being in his character and his, in his person, how is he beautiful? So that's what I really want to investigate. And out of that led to um, an understanding that beauty that we see in the world is not just an invention of society. It's an invention of God it, that stems from who he is and his character. Um, and then I follow that little one step further that echoes what St. Augustine would teach, which basically is that all true beauties in the world ultimately lead back to the beauty of God. So everything just centers back to, to who God is and how lovely he is. And that the impact it has on us um, leads to a certain spiritual formation. And it's all beauty does. Beauty is meant to have certain impacts or evoke certain reactions to the most common ones, which are attraction and admiration. Well, with the more you discover about the beauty of God, the more you fall madly in love with him, which then pairs with the whole centrality of scripture of what God desires most, the first and greatest commandment, which is to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this whole you know, discovery and, and investigation of, of biblical beauty just leads to a life invigorating, life transforming kind of endeavor and experience. Um, but the one thing I'll, I'll mention, you know, sometimes when we talk about biblical view of beauty, a lot of it is research and study and learning. But beauty is ultimately not just simply learned. Ultimately, beauty is experienced. So the more you learn about biblical beauty, the more you experience what that is. And I think lastly, you know, um, the, the final landing point on writing the Purple Curtain is I think beauty is something that all of us are really searching for, beauty of, of self. We all want to be a beautiful person, uh, to live a beautiful life, number two, and number three, to discover a beauty that's far greater than the sum of who we are. And I think that really comprises uh, for us a fullness and a flourishing of life. That is for lack of a better word, beautiful. <laughs> yes, I received your book at the Beautiful Mind Retreat and I started to read it and I find myself backing up and rereading it mm. because it is so captivating and eye-opening and it is wonderful and it has so much truth to it that I think so many people would be blessed if they were able to read it. So I'm Thank so you. glad that you wrote this book. Thank you so much for doing that and for being a creative person and discovering the truth of beauty and sharing it with the world. 
Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. How has understanding biblical beauty encouraged you in your ministry as a pastor and your creativity as an artist and martial artist? Thanks. You know, um, and this kind of question really helps to flesh out this kind of more um, seemingly philosophical concept of beauty and how it boils down into just real life and who we are. And for me as a pastor, it has... Um, help to direct the kind of decisions and reactions that I would uh, you know, exercise. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I ask certain questions of myself when I am about to make a decision on, certain, on, on something or react to a, a situation. And some of those questions are, will this manifest the beauty of God? You know, will this direction or this decision that I make for this project or what we're about to do this effort, will it manifest the beauty of God? Um, the church is meant to be the radiant bride of Christ. So as, I, as a pastor, um, in the way that I'm leading the church, does it manifest the church in the community as a radiant bride of Christ? Um, missionally, is the glory of God being manifested in the decisions and direction of my pastoral leadership? So as a leader, um, um, for me, it's this direction of aiming for manifesting God's beauty um, both internally within our church and also externally outside of our church. Um, but also for me as an individual, as a leader, I ask the question, will my personal reactions to certain situations manifest the beauty of, of Christ? You know, so instead of just reacting in ways that are based on what I think is um, entitled to me or what I think uh, would be humanly rational to respond a certain way, I go one step you know, once I get past some of those thoughts, I go one step further and ask, well, would this exhibit the beauty of Christ in the way that I respond to certain situations? So these have become kind of beacons for me. They're, they're beacons of guiding me in terms of how I lead as a leader. And in general, I think it's always um, aimed at the right thing, you know, because it's always aiming to manifest uh, the beauty of Christ. So even if sometimes I think to myself, you know, I should say this, you know, but you know what? If I said that, <laughs> I don't think it would really manifest Christ's beauty. Um, the beauty of God has also helped me to understand and interpret certain situations um, in light of, you know, who I believe God is and his beauty and the beauty he's trying to create. It's helped me to interpret sometimes complicated or complex situations. And I would say that all of these things also factor in for me as a husband and as a father as well, too. So the way that I I lead as a parent, you know, will it manifest the beauty of Christ to my son? Will it manifest the beauty of Christ as a husband to, to my wife, you know? So these same kind of um, uh, beacons as guideposts um, direct me personally uh, as a person as well, too. As an artist, biblical beauty informs my vision uh, in the arts, and I see the effects of how that is playing out with my audiences. So when my audience see my artwork, um, the way it, it speaks to them, the way it touches them or impacts them, you know, um, I see that biblical beauty as it informs my vision as an artist play out um, in, into my audience. And it also allows me to see what's ugly. So when you see, I think, what true beauty is, you can also recognize its opposite, you know. And I think that um, for us as Christians, it's important for us not only uh, embrace, experience, and express beauty, but to know how to really engage with ugliness. What do we do, do with ugliness? You can't just ignore it, you know, um, but there's some level to which we have to deal with it, and there's some level to which we have to engage it in order to bring about um, God's redemptive plan in the world. 
as a martial artist, uh, the martial arts I practice is Kung Fu. And so this is really interesting. And I felt that um, my uh, concept of beauty um, as it's applied to martial arts really played out during the pandemic because we're all locked down and stuff. And, and, uh, and I found the beauty in the art form uh, of the martial arts and the, the beauty of the movements that, that we uh, exercise. But there's also meaningfulness in those movements because it is an art form. And the meaningfulness comes from the philosophies behind those movements. And so a lot of the philosophies um, support or complement biblical truths. And so as I am um, practicing Kung Fu and as I am um, uh, um, exercising those movements, um, it's also a, a living out, a, a contemplation of some of those philosophical principles that mirror or parallel with biblical truths. So in a lot of ways, uh, Kung Fu is also an avenue that's also very uh, avenue for prayer and avenue for contemplation for me as well, too. And, um, and I would say those are the main things in those three areas of my life and how beauty applies. That's incredible. It sounds like focusing on beauty and Jesus's heart for beauty and his perspective on it has transformed your relationships and how you interact with everything in this world, this side of heaven. It really has. Yeah. That's a good way of saying that. Mm -hmm. What are some things that people can do to start taking steps to bring beauty into their relationships? Um, you know, I think the general notion of Christ-likeness is very key. Um, when you read in scripture, um, like in 2 Corinthians 3.18, you know, we are, God's plan for us is to reshape us into the beauty of Christ, into the image of Christ. Um, Ephesians 2.10, uh, Ephesians 2.4.24 um, are all passages that, that really express that. Um, we're called to be imitators of God, you know, Ephesians 5.1. And so this idea of being God-like, uh, being Christ-like, it's a great first step mm -hmm. because you're, you begin to exercise the, the personhood, the characteristics of Jesus, and that automatically begins to affect, I think, your relationships. Um, when you exercise a, a sense of, of compassion and mercy that's like God, righteousness and justice that's like God, patience that's like Jesus, you know, that begins to affect your relationships. And then it's not just exercising them in the vacuum, but exercising them in actual real life situations, especially in the difficult or complicated situations that we all run into with relationships. Um, and I think that these are real guiding principles that um, uh, will help to shape those relationships. Um, you know, one practical example, and it's kind of a, a negative one that uh, gives a positive uh, lesson, which is um, there have been times, and I've been married 23 years, and there have been times where, you know, my wife and I have had fights, and I've responded and reacted in ways where I felt it was, it was uh, warranted, you know, not right, but warranted, because of you know, how upset or how angry I was, you know, and I had to express myself, I had to get my point across, and the tone that I used, and the words that I said, the manner in which I said it, <clears throat> And in the human flesh, I, I felt it was warranted. But five seconds after that, you know, I hear God say to me, you know, Brian, did you manifest me as beautiful before your wife? Mm -hmm. And I replay the whole incident. I think to myself, no, I did not. No matter how much I felt it was justified in my own humanness, it, I did not manifest God as being beautiful. 
And so learning from those lessons, when I do try to manifest the beauty of God, especially even in times when my wife are, are fighting, it changes the whole playing field. You know, it changes the whole dynamics of how she and I interact and, and what I say to her and, you know, and, and how we resolve the issues in the end. Um, so that's just one example, I think, of how the beauty of God, understanding it and exercising it in your own life can affect your relationships positively. That gives so much hope for everyone that is struggling with handling their emotions and communicating to everyone that they love and interact with mm -hmm. so that they can have a really solid and authentic and lovely relationship. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that and for being so vulnerable and for being an inspiration to all of us who are growing. We're all growing with how we relate to each other. And yes. I think that's a great step that we can take to really ask ourselves those questions. Thank you. You're welcome. What do you think are the top lies about beauty? I think this is a great and a very needed question, uh, one that has some sensitivity and, and one that I hope to illuminate um, some insights on. I, I wrote down to myself uh, four that, that most immediately came to mind. And one which is, and the first and foremost at the top is that the lie that beauty is only subjective and relative. Now there's a high level of subjectivity of beauty because everyone experiences beauty slightly different. It's very personal. But to say that the definition of beauty is only subjective and relative is a lie because it deters a person from discovering the power of an object of beauty that we actually see um, exhibited in the Bible. And, and once you're informed uh, by the scriptures about what beauty is, you actually see that in the world. But to believe that beauty is only subjective and relative um, deters you from being able to recognize the power of objective beauty. The second would be is that beauty is only cosmetic and superficial. So we downplay beauty because we think of it as only being cosmetic on the surface and simply superficial. But again, this deters you from discovering true beauty, whether that um, true beauty is in uh, embrace super, uh, you know, whether, whether beauty is embraced superficially or you're embracing true beauty, beauty in, in, the, in the end has an effect upon the soul. You know, even if um, someone were, were told that they're ugly on the surface, I mean, how much can you, you probably imagine how that affects someone emotionally, their sense of self-worth, self-image, self-identity. I mean, beauty has this impact upon our soul. And so to only see beauty as being superficial um, deters us from seeing the depths of beauty and being able to grasp for true beauty that actually has nourishing and nurturing power upon our souls. The third would be is that beauty is, um, that superficial beauty is all you need, you know? And I think there's a lot of settling that happens in our society where we settle for superficial beauty. We settle for what people see on the surface and that's all our focus um, is. And, and we think that's all that's needed. Um, when our desire and search uh, for beauty really reveals our real deep human need and a deep human need for dignity, for a sense of worth, for inherent worth, um, for value, for acceptance. I mean, that's what, when beauty is recognized, it offers all of those effects and impacts upon us. And the fourth, I think um, it's, it's a little bit more complex, but it has to do with paradigms. So I'm gonna explain in this right now, I'll, I'll say what the lie is. See, society, I think, sets up paradigms about beauty. 
And these paradigms can come from the sin nature, right? It comes from a flawed humanity. It, it comes from a certain social structures that support a certain social system. So an example of that would be consumerism, right? Consumerism runs um, our modern Western society. And a consumeristic system, for example, in social media is the consumption, the consumption is in how many likes you can get, right? We're, we're consuming likes. So I put up a post, you're consuming how many likes. You're always checking it, you know? Ooh, we went up by 10 more likes. Oh, it's gone to 100, it's gone to 500. And so that's the consumption part of it. People are consuming your image, you're consuming the likes, and it's almost like money. The likes are like money, right? So that's the consumeristic side of beauty. And what that system tells you is that what is defining as beautiful is how many likes you get. Right. So we define beautiful as if people like this post, the number of likes defines whether this post of me is beautiful or not. So that's a paradigm, right? It's a paradigm that exists in that in social media and it has a consumeristic philosophy behind it. So what happens is society makes these paradigms and then society measures you against these paradigms. Right. So um, that, that's and, and then in the end of the day, you might feel beautiful or ugly based upon these paradigms that society has created. So there's the lie. The lie is it says you're ugly because you don't measure up to this paradigm, but it created that paradigm, <laughs> you know, and it, it can that paradigm can vary from time to time, from society to society, because it's based on it could be based on the flawed sinful nature. It could be based upon social systems that is meant to support, uh, you know, it, itself. And what in the end we don't recognize from this lie are two things. Oftentimes we don't recognize that these are paradigms that are contrived, right? We feel as if they are permanent or they are um, uh, objective, but they're not, they're contrived. The second thing is that we don't recognize that there is an objective paradigm that exists for all times, independent of these kinds of social paradigms. And that's what biblical beauty is. Biblical beauty in, introduces and teaches um, an objective beauty that exists independently for all times, regardless of the social systems and the social paradigms out there. And it's one that defines, biblical beauty defines beauty objectively and also exposes the opposite, what real ugliness truly is. So I think these four lies come to the, to the surface for me when I um, think of this question. That is so insightful and so freeing because we are in this society where beauty is so subjective. And I'm so glad that you spoke about uncovering those lies and that the objective beauty is found in the biblical truth and Jesus's love and how he created us. Dr. Brian, what is your advice to someone who wants to learn more about this objective beauty? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me that's very accessible is um, anyone can pick up their Bible and begin to read it with the lens of aesthetics. And it's not trying to, like, you're not trying to force it. You're not trying to make it up, you know, when you read a certain passage, but it's really having an awareness. And I think we've all been um, in some way trained to read the Bible in a certain way. Either we're reading it for more of a psychological help or we're reading it for information like an encyclopedia. But rarely do we read the Bible like we would read a play script, you know, like we're learning lines for how to play a role or a character. Or rarely do we read it like a story and the impact that a story or a film would have upon us. 
you know, or do we read it like we're open and aware to the um, aesthetic images that the Bible is trying to conjure for us? So it's just, it's a matter of having awareness that um, the arts, aesthetics, and beauty are contained in the scriptures. God either speaks directly to it, or oftentimes, more oftentimes, as he's using it. He's using it for another means or ends, you know, um, to express something. Um, so having that awareness um, is a, a great first step. Um, something like reading the, about the tabernacle. How many of us actually spend time reading the tabernacle for our quiet times? <laughs> Most of us don't, don't kind of dig into that, right? Um, or when you read the Psalms, um, those are some very clear places to begin in, or some of the visions of God in the Old Testament, or even in Revelation. So um, the second could be, as you know, we've mentioned my book, The Purple Curtain, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to do it on your own. So uh, my book, The Purple Curtain, can be a resource um, as a beginning step to help people um, have this awareness because uh, it points you to the scripture, explains the scripture, it, it um, highlights some of the language that's used in the Hebrew or the Greek that um, people might not normally be aware of. And, um, and so uh, that's one other resource that can be used. Um, another could be, you know, if, if people want to dive deeper, I've, you know, I've got a 12 month course that takes people through the purple curtain chapter by chapter. So what you end up doing is, um, you read a, a chapter, um, on your own. And then each month we, um, meet together and I, I teach on each of these chapters, um, taking us into a, a deeper dive into the chapter that, where the teaching offers more than what the chapter actually is giving. And so it's a 12 month journey and it's like a, you know, it's a discipleship uh, basically into biblical beauty and how that reshapes your relationship with God, how it shapes your, uh, your growth in Christ and how it shapes your interaction in society and in culture. So that's, uh, that's actually starts this month. Um, and there's it, the first session is meant to start in a few weeks. Um, the cost is $265 for the whole 12 months. I also have the standalone workshops, um, and I call them a, a taste of beauty uh, workshops. Um, and I have a free one coming up this uh, Sunday, January 8th in the evening. And uh, the topic for that is on beauty versus depression. So it's specifically um, on how does beauty um, relate or interact with depression? and the feelings of sadness, the despondency. It was something I felt very led to offer at the start of the year. Um, I feel like maybe a lot of people are struggling with that. And I've found in my own personal life how much beauty has addressed that matter for me. When, um, you know, you, you have, we all hit that rut, you know, we all hit that low or that bottom. And, um, and what does biblical beauty do in, in regards to that? So, um, so those are a few different ways that um, I practically I can offer as well too um, to help people in this process and journey of biblical beauty. Thank you so much for doing that and for offering that. I would love to look at those links and I want to share them with our audience because that is so awesome. It's beautiful and it's going to encourage them to find joy and healing and hope throughout their depression, which is a very mm -hmm. real mental health issue that is not talked about enough. So thank you for doing yes. that and for having it not be such a taboo topic. It, it really mm -hmm. needs to be uncovered so that everyone's supported and doesn't feel alone. For sure. Yes. Yes. What is one thing that we can start doing to echo eternity or encourage others? 
Um, you know, I think this is such a great question. You know, a first step uh, relates back to something similar to what I shared earlier, which is to exhibit the beauty of Jesus in yourself. And it starts with discovering how Jesus is beautiful. And it could be you know, the simplest thing of diving back into the gospels, and really look at the person of Jesus. And then, then you find that throughout scripture, we're called to be like Christ. We're called to be like him. We're called to be Christ-like. Um, we're meant to be made it into new creations, like um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, right? We're new creations in Christ. And, and the important thing is, when we're trying to be Christ-like, it's, it's not a behavior that we fabricate. You know, it's not just a behavioral modification. It's not just a behavioral management that we somehow have to um, create and contrive ourselves, because if you're a believer in Jesus, Jesus abides in you. And so you have this um, authentic power to imitate Jesus. You're simply being called to live out consistently with integrity who you already are because Christ abides in you, because the Holy Spirit is shaping you already to be like Christ. So this is not just you trying to manifest behaviors. It is you being in interaction with your artists, the Holy Spirit, who's working upon you and your sanctification and shaping you and being more consistent with the artistic process that God has upon you to make you more Christ-like. And when you do this to exhibit the beauty of Christ, to exercise the beauty of Christ, especially in your hardest and darkest times, the beauty of Christ will be like a light, it will be a light in dark places. And it will be like Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, it'll inspire people because he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. You know, when you exhibit the beauty of Christ, it will inspire others because it will be a light in dark places. Amen. I am so excited to learn more about being a light in this world. And Jesus is the most purest, magnificent, and beautiful light in this world. And yes. my prayer is that we can all be a light to him. And it's so exciting to see you be a light in this world with all the beautiful things that you're doing. Thank yes. you for sharing all of that. Mm. How can our listeners connect with you? Um, well, the first way, um, um, they're welcome to email me. Um, email is great if they want to reach out and connect with me, get on my mailing list, or um, ask me questions about any of these workshops and the 12-month deep dive um, into the Purple Curtain. Uh, my email is brian, with an I, uh, middle name, S-E-E-C, chan, C-H-A-N, at gmail.com. So it's brian, C-chan, at gmail.com. So um, I'm also on Instagram under the same handle, Brian, S-E-E, Chan. Um, so on my Instagram is where people can engage with my artwork. And I, I write about some of my pieces and I post and show some of the events that I'm doing. Something else that I'm really excited about that's currently being developed um, and it's not yet launched is a, a new website called luminarywarrior.com. It's luminarywarrior.com. I'm thinking my estimation right now is they'll be ready to launch next month. I'm working with a web developer and we're doing great stuff with putting this together. And its intention is meant to um, help inspire people, equip people um, to live life beautifully and flourishing and, uh, and, and to also offer opportunities where people can um, access uh, some of these resources of teaching and, and books and stuff. And then the fourth way where if, um, if, especially if you're local around in LA, 
Um, I, I do certain specific things with various um, networks and organizations, Hollywood Prayer Network, you'll find me, the Beautiful Mind Academy, you'll find me, uh, Greenhouse Art and Media, usually with them as I get invited to do things, but I do some very specific things with each of these organizations um, that I don't necessarily always do anywhere else. So those are some other ways where I can, uh, folks can connect with me is, is through these organizations as well. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for coming on the show today, Dr. Brian, and I hope that you have a beautiful new year. Thanks so much. Thank you, Hannah. It's been such an honor. And thanks for what you're doing with Echo and Encourage. This is wonderful. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you liked it, and if you enjoy the show in general, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. If you want to see more about each episode, head over to the Echo and Encourage podcast on Instagram or Echo and Encourage on YouTube.